Hello everyone, welcome back to Mysteries and Murders. I'm Lois and today's case is very interesting and it's a very big case. It's the family side case of Xavier Dupont de Ligonnès. Before we get into today's case, I did just want to say that I'm now changing my podcast so that an episode will come out every Wednesday instead of Tuesday because for me it just works better that it comes out on Wednesday. So now it's going to be a podcast every Wednesday instead of Tuesday. That just works best for me. Um, Also, how is everyone? I'm doing fairly okay. Um, Nothing special to report really about my life. (laughs) Um, But yeah, how is everyone? (laughs) Um, and remember that you can always like contact me on my Instagram DM me is the best way to contact me my Instagram is underscore lolo underscore is underscore double o three and also contact me if you want to um, tell me about cases that you want me to do or any information that I've missed in my cases I'm also very excited about today's case because I actually can speak French and I was able to read all of the French newspapers and watch like French videos and like news articles and stuff about this case Um, and I'm just really excited that I was able to practice my French because I don't get to practice it a lot. (laughs) Um, So... Yeah, I'm kind of excited to just practice my French while I'm doing this. I've also learned a lot of new French words and vocabulary as well. Now let's get into today's mystery. So today we are going to be talking about Xavier Dupont de Ligonnès and the Nantes House of Horror. So this case takes place in Nantes, which is a large French city in the west of France on the Atlantic coast. Life there is calm, quiet and peaceful. In the centre of town, there lived a family called the Dupont de Ligonnès family. The father of the family was called Xavier Dupont de Ligonnès. He was a count, which is basically the equivalent to a British earl. Um, I don't think we have counts in England, but I know that an earl is very a prestigious title and it is nobility so his family had an aristocratic background and he was born in Versailles on January the 9th in 1961. Between the 16th and 18th centuries his family owned two chateaux, Le Château du Pont de Mars in Chambon-sur-Lignon and Le Château du Cal d'Uzès in the Occitanie region of France. He was described by those who knew him as charming, good at communicating with people, easygoing and quick-witted. He was a salesman and he had an engineering degree. Xavier was 50 years old at the time of the murders. His wife was called Agnès. In the early 80s, Xavier met his wife Agnès when he was 20 and she was 16 or 17. 
she fell head over heels in love with him. She was beautiful. Um, They were both very attractive. And she was traditional and conservative, and she was a devout Catholic. Xavier, however, wanted to travel and explore the world a bit more. So he broke up with Agnès, and he went travelling around the USA. But a year later, he returned home to Versailles, and he discovered that Agnès was pregnant with someone else's child. However, Xavier married Agnès and raised the child as his own. He even gave the child the Dupont de Ligonnès name. This shocked Xavier's family and friends because to marry an unwed mother who had had a baby with someone else out of wedlock was unwarranted in this deeply religious community. It was courageous of Xavier to marry Agnès and they married in 1992. Many would have disapproved of the marriage. They named their firstborn son Arthur. Xavier treated him as his own, even though he wasn't his biological son. Agnès was an assistant at the local Blanche de Castile Catholic School in Nantes at the time of the murders. And she regularly attended mass with her children. She was described as firm but fair with her children. And she was very committed to her faith but Xavier was not as passionate about religion as her, and a friend of his even said that he never stepped foot inside a church. And yes, his wife was 48 years old at the time of the murders. Arthur was the eldest of the Dupont children. He was a handsome young man, and he was 20 at the time of the murders. He was studying for a technical diploma in IT, at a private Catholic university an hour away from Nantes. He worked part-time as a waiter at a pizzeria near his university and he also had a girlfriend. Thomas was the second born child of the Dupont family. He was 18 years old at the time of the murders. He was described as very shy, quiet and reserved and he loved music with a passion. He studied musicology at the Catholic University of the West in Angers. He was living in halls of residence at the time of the murders. The next child in the family was Anne Dupont. She was 16 at the time of the murders, and she was a pretty young girl. She modelled for mail-order catalogues, And she was a good student and did the best in school out of all the children. She was a lot like her mother. She was profoundly religious, but also friendly and sociable. She went to a private Catholic school called La Perverie, which was the same school as Benoit, the youngest child. So Benoit was 13 years old at the time of the murders. He was also religious and was an altar server at Saint-Félix Church in Nantes. He also loved music, like his older brother, and loved to play the drums, which made a lot of noise in the house. I do not know what is wrong with me today. For some reason, I just cannot speak. Like, I keep making mistakes and I'm like, oh my god, that sounds so dumb. I have to delete this part and then start again. So I'm really trying. (laughs) 
but yeah, I am not doing well today. Anyway, so it seemed as if the DuPont family had the perfect life. They were practicing Catholics, the kids were at top private schools and got top grades. The dad had a successful career and they were well liked and they were all very good looking. It seemed like they were the perfect French family. However, beneath the surface, their life looked different. Agnès and Xavier's marriage was far from perfect. It seemed as though Xavier could not keep a job. In 1984, Xavier was 23 years old and he had just finished his military service. He started working in Le Département du Nord for a major equipment manufacturer. But less than a year later, he found himself unemployed in the VAR region of France. Between then and 1993, he had a few small jobs here and there and tried to launch a few companies, but they didn't really go anywhere. After his marriage to Agnès in 1993, they moved to Ardèche in southeastern France and stayed there for three years. They then moved again to Les Alpes du Nord for two years. He was then unemployed for two years. Then he found a job in the southwest, then another in Pornique in the west, then La Route des Commerciaux was created, which was one of his companies. But all of this work was futile. He didn't really make any money, none of it went anywhere, he wasn't able to start a career, and none of the businesses he set up were successful. And I don't know how much of this Agnès knew. I know that I think he definitely was lying to people and saying that like he was traveling around everywhere starting up all these businesses and everything's going great. He's making a lot of money. Um and this was kind of a facade um because he was not successful at all. But I don't know if Agnès knew how like how much he failed basically. Um, I don't know if the facade was like to her as well. I don't know if he was kind of putting up this front for her as well, basically. So from 2004 to 2009, Xavier was registered as unemployed again. Xavier's multiple attempts at creating businesses are shrouded in mystery, as was his personal life. He attempted to relocate to Florida with his family and he registered a business there called Netsurf Concept LLC. This was in the early 2000s. Xavier's business advisor in this endeavour was a man named Gerard Corona. He specialised in assisting foreign nationals in the United States. Corona was also known to help his clients to obtain anonymous bank cards open foreign bank accounts and ensuring that they leave no records of their activities or transactions. Which is very suspicious to me and it does it definitely does sound suspicious like this corona guy. Um it seems like he maybe was helping out some criminals and that his business was with criminals. Um or people who kind of want to stay discreet and inconspicuous and don't want to get caught, whatever they're doing. Um, 
This whole venture failed. They weren't able to move to Florida. Um, which I don't, again, I don't think Xavier told anyone that this failed. Um, I think he probably just told people he was like in Florida for a business trip. He, he, yeah, he cared a lot about saving face basically. And like, he just wanted people to think that he was successful, but he wasn't. During this time, Agnes did little or no work. At the time of the murders, Agnes was working 13 hours a week as a supervisor at Blanche de Castille, a private school near to their home in Nantes. Xavier used up his wife's inheritance, starting a business called Selreth just before 2006. He used up the entirety of her inheritance, which was 80,000 euros. The purpose of this company remains a mystery. The household could only declare 5,351 euros to the tax authorities in 2009, and in 2010 they could declare 17,658 euros. So they were in money trouble. They were not well off at all, even though it seemed like they were. The family also owed €20,000 to a bailiff. They were almost bankrupt and about to lose it all. They were on the verge of losing their house. Agnes was unhappy in her marriage. She confided her relationship problems to an online health site called Doctissimo in 2004. She described a rigid authoritarian husband who lived for his work. In 2004, on a post to this online health site called Doctissimo, Agnes wrote, Xavier is too judgmental, too quick to argue, too rigid, too military. There's no more tenderness between us, no more attention, no softness, no sex. He hates when we tell him his behaviour is unacceptable. He feels attacked and humiliated. When I ask him if he's happy, his response is always the same. He says, yes, I am. But if we all, if we could all die tomorrow, that would be better. Which, knowing what we know now, is just chilling. Like, you'll find out what happens. And as this case kind of unfolds, and like, keep that quote in mind, it's just chilling what we know now. It's clear that the family's struggle with money deeply troubled Xavier. On this online health site called Doctissimo, Agnes also said, I am lacking in everything. Tenderness, love, mutual friends, sex, everything. She, further along in the post, wrote, I have a husband who is very old-fashioned in his way of being in the family. The father is the head. He gives an order... We execute it without seeing to question or understand. Xavier also cheated on Agnes with a woman in Paris called Catherine. And he also borrowed 50,000 euros from Catherine. In emails to Catherine, he would say he hit rock bottom and his life would end soon if he couldn't get any money. He explains that 
he lies awake at night with morbid ideas. He said he's always in a nightmare and the only way he can escape is by doing something radical and final. And those two words, radical and final, are actually like a direct quote from the email, which again is chilling. Agnes and Xavier just had an extremely unhappy marriage. It seems that they kind of fell out of love um, to me. It's kind of weird because like in pictures of the family, they look so happy. They're smiley and friends and family that were close to the Dupont de Ligonnès family um, said that they seemed happy together and they didn't they couldn't like actually see any troubles in the marriage um which is strange Agnès also cheated on Xavier with his best friend and in an attempt to pick up the pieces of their life after they were found out Agnès or someone claiming to be Agnès wrote a letter to close friends and family saying, I know what you must think of Xavier, but no, he's not like that. He's a wonderful father and I've made mistakes and Xavier's always been there for me. I don't think this letter was actually from, and yes, I think it was Xavier or who forced her to write the letter or Xavier actually writing this letter under her name. It seems like a very Xavier thing to do you'll see kind of further on in the case that this is a lot like Xavier to do this. And um, we can see the pressure that Xavier put on Agnes and how he manipulated her to keep face, basically, to not um, be humiliated. And I think that, like, Xavier was just really concerned about the way that people viewed him. Um, I think he felt a lot of pressure because he was like this descendant of an aristocrat he had the Dupont de Ligonnès name and he had to like he had to he felt like he had to be this sort of person in his mind and I think that that really affected him and he just really cared about what people thought of him and he just really cared about saving face, basically. I think he's definitely kind of narcissistic and vain. Um, He definitely seems not right. Maybe he was a nice person to those around him, those around him and to his children, but I think on the inside he wasn't actually that person that he was pretending to be. It also seemed as if Xavier was having a crisis of faith. He was raised as a Christian, but many friends of his said that he wouldn't go to church. Under the pseudonyms of Ligo or Ligo, I don't know how you say that, or um, Chevy, Xavier would discuss the existence of God, angels and eternity on a Catholic internet forum. Xavier also described how he was raised Christian, he attended mass, and he was even part of a group that gathered around a messenger to receive private revelations, but he believed that this messenger was a fake or mad. 
He then described how his mother was fascinated by the concept of sacrifice and how he believed it was an essential concept in Catholicism. He would basically go on rants on this Catholic internet forum, which definitely doesn't seem like him at all. Like, from the way that his friends describe him, it just just isn't in his character, which, again, lends to the idea that... He was just leading kind of a fake life and that he wasn't actually the person that he pretended to be. So Xavier was actually raised by his mother because his father abandoned him around the age of 10. His mother, Geneviève, was kind of a strange lady, um, to say the least. She started a religious sect called Philadelphia and the group claimed that the Pope was an imposter and that the Catholic Church had been basically taken over by Jew by Jews, um which is rather anti Semitic Semitic that's anti Semitism anyway. Um And Genevieve also supposedly got, like, visions from some sort of higher power, which, um, yeah, is definitely strange. And so Xavier did not have the most stable childhood, basically. Um, He was being raised by this lady who had some rather kind of out there religious ideas um to add to all of this in 2005 Agnes filed a police report because Xavier hit Arthur Agnes left Xavier around this time but they got back together Xavier also wrote his close friends and family a formal letter explaining that Anything Agnes told them about him while they were apart was a lie. He also, in this letter, blames her for the breakup and he says it's disappointing in them. He's, or he's disappointed in them for believing Agnes and taking her side, which is crazy. If I received a letter from, like, my friends, from, like, my friend, like, explaining a breakup between like I don't know him and his wife I would be like what the hell even is this that's such a weird thing to do to me and he was just trying to like again save face and like cover up his mistakes the family of six lived together in a modest house at 55 boulevard Robert Schumann in Nantes they also had two dogs In pictures, they all look so happy. They're all smiling and they look like a perfect family um, who love each other. And they just seem so happy. It doesn't seem like there's any problems between them at all. But as we know, this was a facade. In addition to Xavier's money troubles, his father, Hubert, Dupont de Ligonnès was living in a rented flat in a state of near poverty by the end of his life. 
despite the family having aristocratic lineage and being nobility, they had virtually no money. People who knew Xavier said he was a great father. One person in the episode of Netflix's Unsolved Mysteries about this case, who was like his best friend, called him Father Hen. He loved his kids and doted on them, and they loved him back. He was known as a very tactile father as well. Xavier really cared about what people thought of him, though. He pretended to be a successful businessman, travelling all over France, starting companies, but it was all pretend. He was in a downward spiral and cared about saving face more than saving his family from bankruptcy. He didn't want people to know how much money he had, which was very little. He'd grown up being well off, and he didn't know any different. He couldn't accept that he could no longer, he'd no longer be able to provide his family with the same things he had as a child, and he was about to be found out. He was also vain and proud. So now let's get into a timeline of events in 2011. So Xavier's father, Hubert, passed away in January of 2011. And Xavier searched his apartment for any items of value or any money that was hidden away. He found nothing, but what he did find was a 22 long rifle among his father's belongings. And in early February of 2011, Xavier obtained his firearms licence. He soon started to regularly visit a shooting range and buying ammunition. Witnesses at the shooting range also say that Xavier's gun was equipped with a silencer. He started bringing Thomas and Benoit to the shooting range to practice shooting with him. And Arthur was going to start soon. In the following weeks and months, Xavier purchased lime, which is used to slow down the decaying process and cover the smell of death, basically. He bought 10 bags of it. He also bought some cement, a shovel and a hoe. On the 3rd of April, he left a casual message on his sister's answering machine, saying he spent Sunday at the cinema with his family and he was about to put the kids to bed. And he said, I'll see you soon. On the 4th of April, Xavier contacted Benoit and Anne's school to say they wouldn't be in for a while because they were ill. On the 11th of April 2011, a neighbour of the DuPont family had had a terrible feeling about the DuPonts. She hadn't seen or heard from them in about a week. She noticed that the shutters on the windows of the house were closed and they were never closed, even if the family went on holiday. There was also a note on the mailbox asking that all correspondence be sent back to its sender. So she called the police, asking them to do a welfare check. And on the 13th of April 2011, the police checked on the house. They called a locksmith to open the door to the house, and everything was as it should have been. They noticed that some of the bed sheets were missing from the bedrooms, um, but nothing out of the ordinary. The police concluded that the family had left voluntarily. 
two out of three of the family's cars were there. The one that was missing was a Citroen C5. It was not big enough to fit a family of six and their luggage and two dogs. Um, But still, the police were like, it's not a big deal. They basically thought that the neighbour was crazy and that they'd just gone on holiday and they'd be back soon. Which, that just doesn't really happen. My neighbours always tell me and my family that they're going on holiday. Um, and that's it's just weird, like, for a family not to tell anyone where they're going. Um, from the 9th to the 14th of April, letters began to arrive. Close family and friends of the DuPonts received letters from Agnes explaining that she had been recruited by the American government to infiltrate an international drug ring and now works for the DEA, which is the Drug Enforcement Administration. She tried to back this up by saying she'd had links with the US for a while. They tried to move to Florida earlier in the 2000s. She says, I know it will be hard, but you can't see us for a very long time as the whole family has to get into the witness protection program and change their identities. And this was an eight page letter. No one knew what to believe because Xavier was respectable and well liked and Agnes Agnes was also respectable and a devout Catholic and they weren't the type to lie. The letter started off saying, hey, everybody, which is classic Xavier, he would always start off his letters like this and emails. Um, So people thought it was a bit suspicious and it's kind of, um, it seems like it was Xavier who sent the letter. The letter also explained that the family's cover story with that would be that they were moving to Australia and starting a new life there. Anne and Benoit's school, La Perverie, also received typed letters saying they were moving to Australia and they were being taken out of school. And the school where Agnes worked also received a similar letter saying they were moving to Australia and they would be unreachable. Um, And all the letters were actually signed by hand by Xavier. Agnes's family was concerned. They couldn't believe that Agnes would just take off with the kids and not say anything to them, not even goodbye. They sent the letters to the Nantes district attorney, explaining their worries. On the 15th of April, police returned to the house and found some photos missing from their frames. It was Agnes's family who put pressure on the police. The police visited again to the house on April 18th, 19th and 20th. On the 21st of April, a press conference was held where the police informed the public that they were opening an investigation into the disappearance of the DuPont family. However, the district attorney suddenly halted the press conference halfway through to answer the phone, where he was told horrifying news. During another visit to the DuPont house, the police discovered the bodies of 
five out of six members of the DuPont family and their dogs. They found Agnes, Arthur, Thomas, Anne and Benoit wrapped in blankets and bedsheets, plastic bags, and they were buried under the terrace in the back garden. Thomas was in a separate grave to the rest of them. They were all buried with a small religious icon placed next to each body, such as a candle, a cross, or a small statuette of the Virgin Mary, suggesting that it was an imitation of a religious burial, and that there was an emotional attachment of the people buried to whoever buried them. The judge issued a warrant for Xavier Dupont de Lugonez. It was sent to all member countries of Interpol. He became the number one suspect in the murder of his entire family. Sleeping pills were found in each of the children's system systems. Agnes didn't have any drugs in her system. She had a sleep apnea machine, which helped her to sleep because she had sleep apnea, which is a serious disorder where your breathing stops and starts while you sleep. The machine was stopped at 3am on the 3rd or 4th of April and was never used again. This suggests that this is the time she died. Each of the family members had two gunshot wounds to the back of the head. The bullets had been shot from a 22 long rifle, like the one Xavier had inherited from his father. Each of the victims were in their pyjamas, so they were killed in their sleep, and a silencer was likely used on the gun because they lived in downtown Nantes and no one heard any gunshots. There was no trace of blood in the house. It didn't look like a crime scene at all, but five people were killed in the house and two dogs. Investigators also found no fingerprints on the bodies. Death certificates for each of the family members were made on site and no one came to identify them. And initially details of the victims were mixed up. I think that maybe details were mixed up and the initial kind of discovery of the bodies was... Like, they were mixed up because it was just such an emotional thing for investigators. Like, discovering the bodies of, like, four, a mother and her four children, the youngest of them being 13 years old, that must be traumatic, honestly, and so upsetting to see. So maybe that's how, like, I know they're professionals, but maybe that's how initially details were mixed up like their emotions got involved got kind of in the way because that must be really heartbreaking for anyone um so now let's talk about the police timeline of events um and how things unfolded so on the 3rd or 4th of april Agnes, arthur benoit and anne are murdered Benoit and Anne's friends became concerned as they couldn't reach them on their phones. Xavier spoke on the phone with his sister Christine for 30 to 40 minutes and she said he seemed normal. And this was on the night of the 4th of April. And it's believed that before they went to bed, Xavier gave Agnes 
Arthur Benoit and Anne sleeping pills and then he shot them while they were sleeping. However, on the 5th of April, Thomas was still alive and he spent the afternoon with a friend of his who he studied music with at his home in Angers. They played music and watched television and Thomas planned to spend the night at his friend's house. But Xavier phoned Thomas, Thomas saying that he had to come home because his mother had been involved in a cycling accident and she was in a coma. But obviously this was a lie. Thomas took the train home at around 10pm. At midnight, Thomas texted his friend saying he was really ill and wouldn't be coming to class and that his um, phone was out of battery and his dad was looking for a new one for him. This was the last time anyone ever heard from Thomas. Police believe this is when Thomas was drugged by his father and murdered. On April 5th, Xavier actually took Thomas out to dinner to an expensive restaurant in Avrier, near Angers, called La Croix Cadeau. They arrived at about 9pm. Xavier ordered a 35 euro tasting menu with half a bottle of Anjou Village Prisac red wine. And Thomas had sea bass and tomato juice. Two waiters at the restaurant recall that Thomas was feeling unwell towards the end of the evening and that Xavier and Thomas barely spoke to each other the entire time. Investigators believe that Thomas was killed later than the rest of his family because Xavier hesitated. Arthur was the oldest son of Xavier, but he was also adopted by him and not his biological son. Thomas was the eldest biological son of Xavier, and he was the one that would carry on the Dupont de Ligonnès name and the one that would carry on the whole aristocratic lineage of the family and he would inherit the family ring with the um Dupont de Ligonnès crest on it and he was basically the heir to the family name so this was very important to Xavier and he hesitated but in the end he decided that he couldn't have one of them alive so he decided to kill Thomas as well. Neighbours actually claim that they saw Agnes outside of her house on the 5th even though investigators claim that she must have been killed on the 4th an employee at a hair salon also claims to have seen Agnes on the pavement outside of the hair salon whilst she was picking up her wages. And she said Agnes was speaking on the phone, and this was at midday. Another neighbour also saw Agnes outside of her house as late as the 9th of April, um, and she remembers it specifically was like the 8th, on 9th I believe I think it might have been the 8th actually um because that day she couldn't speak to Agnes long she had to cut their conversation short because she was late to pick up her child from a babysitter in days before the 6th of April 2011 
Neighbours said that the dogs were howling for two consecutive nights, but one night they just stopped. On April 6th, Arthur's girlfriend, concerned, knocking, knocked at the door of the family home and the two Labradors didn't howl, so they can't have been alive longer than the family. She did notice that there was a light on, on the first floor of the house though. Also on the 6th of April, Xavier was seen outside his house by neighbours, so he hadn't left by that point. On the 10th of April, Xavier left Nantes in his Citroën C5. We know this because his car was flashed by a speed camera between Nantes and La Rochelle. He was heading south. At around noon, Xavier was located in a restaurant in La Rochelle. He then spent the night at a hotel. In April, Xavier heads um, to the southwest and spent the night in Toulouse. On the 12th of April, Xavier dined alone and spent the night at an inn in Le Ponte in southeastern France. On the 14th of April, Xavier took 30 euros out of his bank account at a cash machine in Roquebrune sur Argent in southeastern France. He'd spent the night in a Formula One hotel, which is a cheap chain of hotels in France. He can be seen on the security camera by the cash machine. And he looks calm and unbothered. He definitely doesn't look like someone who just lost his entire family. On the 15th of April, Xavier can be seen in CCTV camera footage outside of the Formula One hotel that he was staying at. He's crossing the car park carrying a bag. And it, look, it looks like there's a long rifle in the bag, which leads investigators to believe that... He was going into the mountains to commit suicide. In 98% of family-side cases, the perpetrator kills themselves after he's killed his family. But I don't understand how you can kill yourself with a long rifle because it's really long and, like, how would you, like... I don't know. I don't really want to think about it, but that confused me a bit. On the 22nd of April, police located Xavier's car in the car park of the Formula One hotel in Rockburn sur Agen. This is when police began to construct a timeline of events. Police also began to search the wilderness in Rockburn sur Agen on the 22nd of April. They searched mountains, cliffs and caves. They searched for weeks for Xavier's body, but found nothing because they believed that he was going out there to kill himself. First aid workers, gendarmes and firemen were all part of the search. They even had cadaver dogs and helicopters searching for Xavier's body. Everyone was certain that Xavier committed suicide. Initially, it was believed by police that Xavier was on a pilgrimage, going to all of the places he'd been happy in the past, visiting the place where he'd got married, where his kids were born and where they all lived when the kids were younger, before he ended his life. After search efforts to find Xavier, it became clear that he had no intention of killing himself. Xavier was methodical. He purposely left a paper trail and allowed himself to be seen so that he could fool investigators. He was very smart like that. He buried his family in a place where he knew they wouldn't be found for a long time to buy himself time and tidied up the house after the murders to make it look like they just went on holiday. He then sent out letters in an attempt to cover up his crimes, but this only worked against him. 
he then made it seem like he was about to end his own life when he likely had plans to actually leave the country. Everyone, everything went according to his plan. And I think he must have been planning this for a very long time. From Rockburn Sir Arjen, you can go anywhere. You can take a train out of the country. You can go to Italy, Croatia. You can take the motorway out of the country or take a boat. It's the perfect place to disappear. There was so much care work and organisation that went into the cover-up of Xavier's crime. In the Netflix documentary, Xavier is compared to a chess player because he planned each, he planned out each move carefully. But Xavier has never been seen again, and he was last seen on the security footage outside of his Formula One hotel. Xavier has a very average looking face and he has very normal features. He would be able to blend in anywhere and go unnoticed. He isn't muscular or particularly tall or short, so he could be confused with a lot of other men. He doesn't stand out at all. In 2015, bones were discovered at Bagnol en Forêt in Lavar. It was believed that these were the remains of Xavier Dupont de Ligonnès, but after DNA testing, they found that it wasn't him. In July 2015, a journalist in Nantes was sent a photo of Arthur and Benoit, and on the back was written, I am still alive. It was a photo that no one had ever seen before. In 2019, there was a raid on a monastery where they thought that Xavier would be. One monk bore a passing resemblance to Xavier, but it wasn't him. The monks also had taken a vow of silence, so they weren't much help to investigators. In October 2019, a Portuguese man was detained at Glasgow Airport in Scotland. He'd come from the Charles de Gaulle Airport in Paris. He was with his wife. French authorities thought it was Xavier Dupont de Ligonnès. A DNA test confirmed there was a case of mistaken identity and the man was released after 26 hours in solitary confinement. Scottish police apparently reported to French authorities saying it was definitely Xavier Dupont de Ligonnès and the French medias went crazy. They believed that the mystery was solved and that they'd found this man who'd killed his family and had been on the run for nearly 10 years. However, the next day, the whole thing came crashing down when they found out that it actually wasn't Xavier Dupont de Ligonnès. The Netflix documentary about this case kind of tries to paint this case as like, people think it was the father, but it actually couldn't have been. It might have been someone else and tries to depict this case as more of a mystery than it is. But I'm pretty sure that it was Xavier Dupont de Ligonnès. And I think most people think it was him who murdered his family. New identities for their own protection. Xavier actually sent letters to his close family a couple of months before the murders, saying that there may be an accident um, and that he may be blamed for it, but you mustn't believe what people say and that he isn't responsible. But to me, this just shows how long he was planning the whole thing and this was just another way for him to save his himself and to 
help his own reputation. Originally, details of the bodies were mixed up and some details didn't match those of the victims. Um, Death certificates were made on site and no one came to identify them, which is extremely unusual. And people ask, like, why did they do this? Why didn't they do it normally? But the bodies were there for a while, so they would have kind of decayed a bit and maybe that's why details were didn't really match up and um also did anyone have to identify them like they were missing for ages and then bodies were found like an older woman and then three young men were found and then a young girl was found so it's kind of obvious who the bodies were like did anyone really have to go and identify them Another thing is maybe they that's just how they do it in France. Maybe death certificates are usually made on site on a crime scene in France. I don't actually know. This whole thing about like Agnès and Xavier and their family being a part of the DEA and moving to America being employed by the American government seems very unbelievable. An average middle-class family is employed by the DEA to go undercover and infiltrate an international drug ring. Like, when you say that out loud, it just makes no sense at all to me. And I just feel like it's very unbelievable and I don't believe that they actually did move to the US. I think that they were actually murdered. The next theory is that it wasn't Xavier who killed his family, someone else did it. There is no actual evidence incriminating Xavier, like no fingerprints and no witnesses. Um, Another thing is Xavier had a bad back and many believe that he wouldn't have been able to dig up graves for his family. Where they were buried, the space under the porch was about four foot high and it would have been difficult to dig under there. Um, There was also no evidence that anyone hit their head on the concrete terrace above um like no blood from where someone hit their head nothing and many argue that he wouldn't have been able to carry their bodies from the second floor of the house into the garden with his bad back as well and then dig graves but I just think he was psychotic and out of control and adrenaline probably would have kicked in at the time and a bad back wouldn't have stopped him from um killing his family and then covering up the scene of the crime the last theory and the one i believe and that most people believe is that xavier actually did kill his family he was terrified of being found out he was living a fake life his facade of being a happy perfect family with no problems would have had to come to an end soon his debt was catching up to him quickly and he cared deeply about saving face To be bankrupt would have been shameful. On April the 5th, which was the day after the murder of Agnès and Arthur Anne and Benoit, a bailiff came to the house to collect €20,000, but no one answered the door. Xavier was a narcissist and planned the murder of his whole family just so he could start a new life. In the CCTV footage... um, 
in the weeks following the murders of his family. Xavier doesn't look upset at all, even though his whole family died, he just looks completely normal. Most people believe that Xavier is in South America. He could speak Spanish, English and French. And most people think that from the south of France, he took a boat, like a cargo boat, to South America. A funeral was held for the family at 2.30pm at Saint-Félix Church in Nantes, where they would regularly attend Mass. 1,400 people attended the funeral. The bodies were cremated after the service. The ashes were buried on April 30th at 10.30am in Noyer-sur-Serene in the Yonne department of east-central France, where Agnes's family lived. Many people have compared this case to the case of John List and John List was basically a man who murdered his entire family and he ran away as well just like Xavier did but years and years later he was actually found when um, a tv program released like a age progressed photo of John List and then John List's neighbour called authorities saying this looks a lot like my neighbour and it turned out it actually was her neighbour and they they arrested John List and authorities have not given up on searching for Xavier Dupont de Ligonnès. They are still looking for him and I think there is hope that we might find him. I really hope he is found so that he can be put in jail for murdering his entire family. It's really upsetting how he just stripped all of his children of their futures. How can someone do that to their own family? Police also believe that he might be using the name of Xavier Laurent since on one of the hotel in one of the hotels that he stayed at, he used the fake name of Xavier Laurent, so maybe they think that he might be using that name. Um I think he's probably changed his entire name. And I definitely think he might be in South America. Like I said, he has a really common face and he could just blend in anywhere. So maybe that's part of the reason why he hasn't been found yet. We are now at the end of today's case. Thank you to everyone who listened. It was a really long one today. I definitely feel kind of tired. Um, But yeah, thank you everyone for listening and remember to always DM me with ideas of cases that you want me to do. My Instagram is underscore lolo underscore is underscore double o three. And see you all next Wednesday. Bye.